At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Podcasting to millions from WebmasterRadio.fm's world headquarters in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Downloading. The Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning, and um, please be seated. This is Bennett Kelly of the Internet Law Center from sunny Santa Monica, California. We've got a beautiful day here, and we've got an interesting program for you during the next hour. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to be talking about a couple of interesting topics. The first is um, the state of the blogosphere. Last week was Blog World out here in Los Angeles, and in connection with it, Tech and Roddy released its state of the blogosphere, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then um, the second half, actually a little more than the half, will be um, devoted to the issue of net neutrality. Um, we've covered it in, in little bits and pieces in prior programs, and um, we've had the um, free free press on, which is a proponent of uh, net neutrality, and is actually suing the FTC, excuse me, the FCC, um, for not going um, stronger enough in its um, net neutrality guidelines. Well, um, we're gonna have an on later later today, we're going to have a, uh, a guest who's one of um, his organization is leading the fight against the net neutrality rules, and uh, which are currently being being debated on the Senate floor. And there's an effort to try to um, repeal them in Congress. Um, the House has already approved a repeal measure. And the Senate is going to be voting on one later today. And um, although the Obama administration has threatened to um, veto any such measure. 
In addition, um, before we start, a couple of announcements. Um, the first is that we, we a couple of times we plugged Ron Burnham's um, her um, project, and um, we appreciate anyone who's given support to it because um, it has um, get funding through Kickstarter, and um, so she will be able to do her CD. Um, so thanks to anyone of the any listeners who supported her project, and uh, look forward um, to coming soon through Kickstarter. Um, in addition. Um, Today, is, as always, we always take a look at what's happened in history. And um, today is actually a very important day in that this is the day that the Berlin Wall um, began to crack. Um, the guards in Berlin um, opened the gates and allowed people to cross over from east to west Berlin. And um, there are certain moments in history that you always remember. And I think this is one of them that I certainly remember. And uh, and an important date um, in history that um, we should just be cognizant of. Um, it's, it's always, I think we always remember stories of people who are willing to endure and, and eventually overcome. And um, that, that's really the story of um, the, the era of the Cold War. And Brasco, you might appreciate this. I had an opportunity to speak with um, the gentleman who wrote um, Ronald Reagan's speech at the, at the um, Berlin Wall. And um, it, there's actually a, a fascinating backstory about the whole speech. And um, initially, he he wasn't really going to touch much on the wall. Um, and he he had kind of had come come to the view that he thought West Germans um, more or less had come to a certain acceptance and coexistence with the wall. And um, and he had dinner with some friends that he knew there and. Um, over dinner and after you know a few cocktails, they were they were, they were quite candid about how vehemently they hated seeing that wall there every day, and so he made it an important part of his speech. But then there became this whole diplomatic struggle. Um, the um, State Department uh, wanted to tone down the speech and kept taking out the Mr. Gorbachev tear down the wall, and uh, it went back and forth and it was in and out of various drafts until finally. Um, it came down to the day of the speech, and, and it was presented to the president. And um, I forget who was speaking to the president, but um, they told Reagan that um, there were two options, and one had that line. And but the State Department was afraid that that might not be sending the message that they were trying to send at the time to the Soviet Union. And uh, apparently, according to uh, the uh, speechwriter Robertson, um, Reagan <laughs> famously said. Um, he just wanted to clarify the situation. He says, okay, so there's two choices. And then he said, let me get this straight. And I'm the president, right? I get to decide which one. <laughs> and they said, that's right, Mr. President. And he said, well, the, it, it stays in. And and the rest is history. But um, obviously, um, any event, just commemorating an important date in history. But um, – an important date in history might be last week in terms of what happened at Blog World. And we were starting to see an evolving and maturing blogosphere. And that was part of uh, the message delivered by Technorati in one of their keynote addresses where they gave the state of the blogosphere. And um, it is definitely growing, um, more mature, more professional. And, um, and one of the issues that comes up in that is the extent to which Bloggers who are getting paid um, are actually disclosing that they're getting paid when it is material to what they're presenting. And, um, and that was the alarming part 
um, part of the Technorati survey did not um, show that there was um, compliance with the FTC guidelines. Um, only 80, 86%, which is still high, but given that the guidelines are several years old now, um, 86% of bloggers disclose when a post was sponsored or paid. 58% disclose when they receive a product for review. And um, so that, that's very low, um, a very low number. And, um, and there's a reason why that's a concern. Brasco, um, can you play that one clip? Is the FTC planning to sue bloggers? Well, let me put it this way. That is not why we issued this guidance. We issued this guidance to make it clear that everybody should be playing by the same rules, whether you're a professional reviewer or an amateur reviewer. Just be upfront about the connections you have and any conflict of interest you might have with the company. So I mean, the FTC guidelines have been out there, and then that clip is actually on available on the FTC website. They have a whole um, series of you know ninety second videos just explaining various aspects of the um, blogger guidelines. Brasco, can you play the one immediately prior to that? If a blogger does have a relationship with an advertiser that needs to be mentioned, it's pretty simple. You can just say, ABC Company gave me this product to try, or XYZ Company sent me to their theme park and try it out for a day. It's not too complicated, and it should just be straightforward and upfront. And, um, and one thing to keep in mind is the FTC is monitoring this. Um, Ann Taylor, I believe last year, had uh, an event for their launch of, a, I'm not sure if it was their fall or winter line, and bloggers were invited. And, um, and despite the fact that Ann Taylor, um, in the invitation to the bloggers, indicated that um, any um, you know gifts they may have gotten, you know, Chotsky's or whatever they walked away with, um, would have to be disclosed in the event that they blogged about the event. Um, two, at the event, they had signs um, in, in several locations reminding them of that obligation. Um, and so after the event, there were several, um, almost all bloggers complied, but there were a couple of bloggers that did not. And that led to an investigation by the FTC and ultimately a letter to Ann Taylor just saying, well, that they acknowledged that uh, what had happened and uh, more or less let them off the hook because of the, the, the measures they had taken to try to uh, mitigate that potential. But the, you know, obviously that had some expense and some um, definitely level of stress for uh, Ann Taylor. And so it's something to, to remember that it's out there. If you're blogging on a topic for which you are being compensated for, and that means that's material, then you need to disclose it. And this is mainly in the area we're talking about in terms of product reviews. Um, if you're reviewing a product and you're not disclosing that, you either A, get it for free, or B, that um, you've been paid um, or you're getting compensation um, from the people from whom you are reviewing, um, that needs to be disclosed. It's just um, it's so, if consum so consumers are relying on you um, then you must do so. Now, I had some criticism of the blogger guidelines at the time and um, because they, they seemed to make a distinction between um, a, a print journalist who's reviewing and a blogger. And a print, print journalist, it seems somehow okay for them to get samples because you're supposed to assume that a big journalist gets um, lots of samples. And um, whereas uh, a, a blogger 
somehow is different and needs to disclose if they are getting free samples. Um, it's somewhat of an oversimplification, but that was kind of the, the logic they had. Um, but the problem is, is that there's an assumption that they made is that they're treating the print journalist as something akin to a, a New York Times, L.A. Times, Washington Post, you know, pick, pick your local large newspaper. And, um, and they're assuming the blogger is a, you know, the, the stereotypical blogger in their slippers, which is actually a, seems to be a thing of their past, um, just having attended blog world. But um, the important thing there is that that may not necessarily be the reality. Um, the, the print journalist could be some you know, small weekly paper in um, Duluth, Minnesota, and the blogger could be um, someone with millions of readers on the Huffington Post or some, one of the other major blogs. And so they seem to be making somehow of a uh, inherent bias or you know, qualitative distinction um, that may not actually exist. And so that was one of the criticisms I have. But just be, bloggers seem to be mindful that to the extent that they're getting into endorsements, that they are operating in the same field as uh, other um, endorsers and, the, and need to just follow the FTC guidelines. And the FTC is very good on that. They have some materials on the website as we just played for you. But um, definitely if you're in that area, you should just double check what you're doing and make sure that um, you're not being deceptive in that way. Now, another other issues going on for bloggers is someone asked the question, what is a blogger? And I think that's a fair question, and I don't necessarily know I heard an answer. Um, we actually had hoped to have the, the CEO of Tekkenradi on today, but um, there was a scheduling conflict um, for her to address that question. But that's it. what is a blogger, Brasco? I mean, is, is Huffington Post a blog, or is um, a blog just something you have that um, is sequential? And what, in your mind, makes a blog? What I think what makes a blog is – it's really more just analysis and opinion, but when you have, you know, publications like a Drudge Report or a Huffington Post right. that is now offering factual information, and in some cases they are actually the initial source of that information, they're becoming right. a credible source, that takes them away from being a blog. At least that's because right. they have their own reporting? Yeah. I mean, Huffington Post was owned by AOL. Now it's become a publication. Oh, and there's a publication with actual backing to it, so I don't see how you could treat that as a blog. So you, 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 that's that's the interesting point. Is you, you're, there's a, a assumption that blogging is somehow um, divorced from commerce. Is is that kind of the inherent thing that you're relying well, on? Or? Any blog can be monetized upon. I mean, that's the whole. That's one thing that's always out there. You know, right. no matter what kind of a model you go with. But still, when it comes to a blog, I mean, it could be it. It, it could be very. Uh, you know, there are some some things that were initially blogs that have grown into something bigger, and you know, there's a very hazy shade, a very uh, cloudy line right now as to determine which ones are blogs and which ones are not. Right. And it's almost like you wonder whether the, the term should be retired. And you know, they actually we should describe things based on what they do because you know, one thing that was discussed is that um, you, know, you now have blogs that do investigative journalism. And just like newspapers once did many years ago and um, before they get their budget sliced. But um, – you know, is that a blog? Is that is that um, you, what what term do you use? And is there a point when the term blog is no longer helpful? 
Well, maybe what should happen is maybe there should be some kind of a system that identifies which publications or which resources are going to become that that might actually be almost like identified as a legitimate news source or that has been approved by a certain organization. Oh, that sounds like uh, <laughs> that's something we'll be talking about later in, in terms of the, the the net neutrality issues. Yeah, but um, I, it's just an interesting topic. I mean, you know, to the extent that. There's a, the term blog is a loaded term. I think he, I think some people, at least initially, used to have that term, the view of just people sitting in their fuzzy slippers and kind of contemplating their navel. And um, it's clearly gone beyond that. I mean, there there are people who that's their livelihood. They're um, they're providing um, business services. They're providing information, um, all sorts of things. And um, but you have a blog, Brasco. No, but I contribute to the Webmaster Radio blog. We have our ours, you know, if you want to go to the homepage, just click on blog. There's quite a few times where I'm posting stuff there ourselves, for ourselves. But so, yeah, I blog. Sounds, yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, so um, why don't we take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about lead, lead into net neutrality. This webmasterradio.fm program is presented by AFCONEvents.com, A-F-F-C-O-N events.com. Dive deep into five days of digital marketing education and information at AFCON's inaugural Digital Marketers Cruise, March 17th to the 21st, 2012. Be a sponsor, exhibitor, or register today at AFCONEvents.com. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. In 500 yards, CPA Way will be on your right. You have reached your destination. On the interstate of Internet marketing, CPA Way helps you monetize the way. No matter which direction you're heading, CPA Way is your route to low-risk revenue. Advertisers, we have paved the way to delivering revenue channels that will meet and exceed your expectations. Publishers, we monitor and manage your campaigns to bring you the most revenue possible. Publishers can feel secure to leverage direct offers, while advertisers can find safety, offering their most valued campaigns. The road to trust, respect, integrity, and honor is just ahead at CPAWay.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. TopSEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let TopSEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com. The At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.